1: They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And. and the Bun blinks it back! I've got a problem with soccer, speaker. Foot
2: both. in the area to Oh what a start. Oh, what I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Hello, everybody, and welcome to House of Champions. Great to be back with you. We're coming at you with our second part of our World Cup group stage preview. We're going to be looking at groups E through F today. And remember to smash, like, and subscribe, and you can get all of your House of Champions goodness here with us every day during the tournament. Well, let's get straight to it. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Mike Lahood and Nigel Coca. Mike, how are you doing, my friend? Ah. Uh,
3: I'm rested, I'm recharged, I'm ready to go. That's great to know.
1: Nigel, how are you doing? I'm great, mate. Honestly, still uh, surreal to believe the World Cup starts next week, but it's getting more and more excitement about it.
2: Well, it's definitely real now because we've had the Nike advert drop. So that means, you know, <laughs> if, if that doesn't get you in the World Cup spirit, then what is going to? So now I know that uh, our producer, Des, is very keen that we uh, get straight into all of the uh, action. But we've got a couple of updates for you before we start looking at the groups. And unfortunately, uh, you know, it is injury related once again. I think the big headline obviously being Christopher and Kunku unfortunately getting injured in the final training session with France before they headed off to to Qatar, he's been replaced in Les Bleus and their group with uh, Randall Colamuani, uh, and then you've also got Sadio Mani who has officially been ruled out of at least the opening game for Senegal against the Netherlands. Now, let's uh, let's go with Nkunku first, guys. Mm. Mike, I'm going to come to you first. Nkunku, how big a loss? Is he for the French? I mean, we know that our yeah. our colleague Ian raves about him all the time and his performances for RB Leipzig. We've seen it as well up close in the Champions League as well. He's not a fixture in the starting eleven for the French yet, but still to have to rule him out of the roster that is, uh, you know, a significant blow.
3: Uh, I'm going to join Ian because I think a couple episodes ago, I said he was the best player right now in the German Bundesliga. That's including Leroy Sané and the form that he was in massive loss for the French national team because Anton Griezmann, He's going to be the starter for the French national team. A player not in form right now. If his form went down, which I predicted it probably would, and Cuckoo would step up. Depth in this French team is something that they're heralded about. And to have a player who's in the form of his life right now, I'm gutted for him, and I'm gutted for the bigger picture outside this World Cup, a player who was probably tipped for a massive move in the European market.
1: Yeah, I'll have to agree with Mike there. I think for me, the, the biggest thing about it is He's an unknown entity in the international stage. And I think he could have then been a bit of a secret weapon for France. He is part of that future generation. And as Mike stated, I think he's on fantastic form. And it's players like that that really need to go into this World Cup. Because again, there isn't a lot of time from now to when the World Cup starts. And you would pretty much expect him to carry the same form he's been showing in the Bundesliga into this World Cup. So um, it is a big, big loss for France. And I think they had higher hopes. And I think we probably would have seen him a lot more than we would have expected because his form is really fantastic right now. And it's the surprise element. It's just a shame.
2: Yeah. And on uh, Mane in Senegal, I mean, we've already debated the injury and the impact that it has on Senegal. We, I I think we knew that he would miss at least one game. It sounds like he's definitely going to miss the the clash with the Dutch and may well miss another match as well. But Mike, I'm going to come to you for a a quick uh, reaction to this one. Do you know, do you think that this is potentially terminal to Senegal's chances or do you think there's enough quality in that group for them to pull through, uh, you know, without Mane? Uh,
3: I'm, I'm looking at flight's leaving the world cup Air Senegal from Qatar back to Dakar because their chances are done flatlined after this if you look at their attack Bamba Dieng is he's he's fishing for chips in the Mediterranean right now in Marseille cuz he's not doing anything other than that he's not playing games he's not playing minutes he was a main fixture for Marseille last season on the bench you would have relied on Sa- Sa- Sadio Mane to be the main man regardless but now it puts a lot of pressure on the likes of Bamba Dieng to come up with goals that he hasn't really had consistent, consistently for OM. Massive loss for Senegal. And and also, that last game against Ecuador, that's the one. To have Sadio back, we've seen World Cup stars plagued with injuries, coming back for the last game of the group stages. It doesn't bode well in history.
2: And speaking of not boding well, I mean, we've seen a couple of... Kind of unsavoury incidents. Uh, obviously, the, the the journalists and the the personalities have started to arrive in Qatar ahead of the World Cup. Uh, we've already seen, uh, you know, some Danish reporters, uh, you know, getting themselves into uh, a bit of difficulty, being asked to stop filming. I think Grant Wall as well, who's a friend of the show and uh, uh, you know has been on a couple of times, uh, you know, was also asked to delete uh, footage of basically the the advertisements, uh, you know, dotted around Qatar, and they got the the footage of the of the Danish journalists being asked to stop filming. Nigel, I'm going to come to you because you were obviously on um, the podcast chat with Miguel Delaney. Uh, you know which we had the other day. Are you surprised by by seeing this sort of thing, uh, you know, happening? Or you maybe surprised by how quickly this uh, this kind of incident has come about? I'm not surprised at all. I'm, I mean, this
1: is what happens when you give uh, a nation that basically puts uh, their religious principles first before anything else. You know, they've never had to host international guests at this level for the biggest sporting event in the world. This is the world cup. So there's going to be so many things that they have not been prepared. They haven't really had the blueprint in how to handle certain situations and what's acceptable and what's not. So I'm not surprised that this happened. This is just the beginning. I feel there's going mm-hmm. to be so much. And again, you know, it, the social media is, has to, the power to be good and bad. And this is something I think it's, it's something part of the good where people can see that this is what journalists and people have to deal with in a nation that's just not built and not used to host an event that welcomes the world to its uh, through its front doors.
2: I've noticed on uh, on Twitter as well. There's been some suggestions of potentially a, a pardon towards those Danish journalists. who so will keep an eye on that situation, but obviously not what you wanted to see days before the tournament gets underway. Now, speaking of the tournament, let's get into it. We are here, of course, to preview uh, you know the final four groups E, F, G, and H. So, Mike, let's uh, get mm. started. We're looking at Group E: Spain, Costa Rica, Ooh. Germany, Japan. Let's let's go in that order and uh, let's get your thoughts on uh, on the Spanish and Luis Enrique, because obviously he's, you know, he's turned a few heads with, uh, you know, the squad selection that he's, uh, that he's gone with ahead of this tournament. Yeah,
3: he's opted for youth over experience. No Marco Alonso to a back line that there's question marks over. Unai Simón. I expect him to be the starter, although Kepa has made a good, well, previous to those three games as of late was making a good statement for himself. But I expect Unai Simón to be the starter. The big thing with this Spain team, where are the goals coming from? Your midfielders aren't goal scorers. Coke going to score goals? No. Our producer, Des Norris, I'm talking about Coke. But Busquets, not a goal scorer. You think it got Gavi Pedri? Not goal scorers. They're creators. Alvaro Morata is who Spain's World Cup hopes are pent on. A player who has not been informed. Started the season well, but not been informed. A guy who I think could be a difference maker for them who who plays for PSG. Pablo Sabarilla. I think he's a guy who, if you give him half a chance, he does produce. And I think Luis Enrique will be looking to him to fill a massive gap in the attack.
1: I think for me, with Spain, like you said there, Mike, you pretty much covered it. The biggest problem with Spain in a nutshell is they don't have a goal scorer. They need a clinical goal scorer. That's what they've been lacking. I think with Luis Enrique, what he's gone for and what I personally feel is I think he's trying to do the Barcelona way. They're trying to play the same kind of system as Barcelona with the false nine and, and not really having a recognized striker. They've taken a big gamble. I think they're gambling on youth and going for the future. Um, what also is worth mentioning is the fact of Luis Enrique is streaming his chats now, which literally... Destroys people like Jonathan as journalists. <laughs> um, whether whether Spain is you, going. You to can, you're going
2: j- to be jumping on Nigel. I've I've not known you on no that. No, so John. <laughs> a, a, <laughs> a TikToker or a Twitcher. I'm a human he's a, he's being. A if you're gonna put
1: yourself out there. Put all of yourself out there. You've got to deal with journalists and stuff like that. I think that there is a bit of a cowardly way by mm. Luis Enrique, and it just goes to show what type of person or manager he is really. And for me, I think it's cowardly. You're a manager of a national team. You should be able to sit and take questions from journalists and not pick and choose which ones you do and trying to be down with the youth, which is why it's picking such a youthful squad. It's an experiment. But for me, goal scoring is a big problem for Spain. And that's why I see them not going all Mm -hmm. the way or going that far.
2: Well, Nigel Coker definitely somebody who's an expert on being in touch with the youth. And I have to say, uh, to Mike's point, if you're relying on Pablo Sarabia to go to Qatar and score the goals for you that are going to take you to the knockout phase of a World Cup, I haven't seen him much so far this season in PSG colours, so I don't think that bodes particularly well. But speaking of work in progress, I kind of feel like Germany are at a similar stage mm. to the Spanish. You look at that squad and aside from the goalkeepers, there's not too many players in the group, uh, you know. Know, who are sort of over the age of thirty. So this is definitely a, a core of players that Hansi Flick will probably try to build with, uh, you know, with an eye on future tournaments. Now, Nigel, I'm going to come to you first. What do you what do you see when you're looking at this uh, this German group? Do you see a team that you know could potentially you know go deep in this tournament, or is this one where they're going to get some experience this time around and perhaps be a threat uh, in the the next sort of Euros and then World Cup? It's always hard to deny
1: that Germany don't produce talent of the highest level. So I think for me, what they've got is a great experience, a mix of experience and youth. And I think, yes, they're planning for the future, but they are still a very dangerous side because they've got some great, exciting youth coming through. And at the same time, they're keeping an eye open. So they're doing for me, I think the right thing to do as a nation. And it's what the Germans mm-hmm. have always done. They're using great common sense because they're still covered in every single angle, whether you talk about defence, midfield, and also the attacking end. And uh, for me, the big player that everyone's always going to be talking about is Musiala. And I think for me, is young talent, he's probably one of the best young talents in, in world football. And he is fantastic to watch. And credit to the young lad. He turned his back on England and went to Germany and... Germany are using him and being forward thinking because if he was in England, he probably won't be playing for the full national team. They'll probably still have him at England under 21s, which is why England is always falling behind. But I give credit to Germany and the German nation because they're always forward thinking and just using simple common sense. And that is why they are so
3: consistent at that high level. I I have this German team going very far in this World Cup because there's there's a element of 2010 that comes to mind. 2010, a German team that was elderly going in and then they revamp it with youth. You think of Manuel Neuer who will be the captain for the German national team. Thomas Muller coming in, Metzod Ozel, Sammy Kadira, that 2009 under 21 national team, that became the core of the future. And I agree with what you said, Nigel, that this is a team that is being put together now so they can thrive in the future. That 2010 team set the foundation for the 2014 World Cup where those young players became men in four years' time. I expect that with this German team. The thing that, that strikes my eye with this German team, the Bayern Munich core. In the words of our esteemed host, Ian Paul Joy, there's something wrong at Bayern. There's nothing wrong at Bayern. And I think there's nothing wrong with this German national team. The one thing that is a question mark is who is going to play striker? Thomas Müller, 10 goals in the World Cup, most goals of active players in the World Cup, six assists, most assists of active players in the World Cup. That experience is golden. It is going to filter down to the players. But do you start him as a striker, a position he hasn't been playing for club in quite some time because of Lewandowski, now Chippe Moting, or do you start Kai Havertz at striker, a player who hasn't really hit form for Chelsea? Big question mark in that position.
1: You've also got you could also use the utility of Gnabry. but my quick thing I just wanted to add on that is for me, what I like about Germany and what people listening need to understand is they Spain play beautiful football. The Germans play beautiful football, but they also can handle the physical side of the game. They can mix and match and play any style of football, which makes them so consistent and so dangerous. Spain, when it comes to the physicality of it with the young players that they're taking, I don't think they can match the physical element of what they'll have to come up against when it's whether it's Germany or whether you say the likes of Argentina or another very physically capable team that can also play nice, intricate football. So that's why I give the Germans the edge over Spain when it comes to this group.
2: Well, yeah. Efficiency is definitely the German mantra. And obviously we know that somebody probably will fall foul of the Germans on penalties at some point during this tournament, but we'll move on from Germany for now. Uh, And we're going to take a look actually at Costa Rica next. Mike, I'm going to come to you first. Costa Rica, I mean, obviously is the the regional experts. Surely they're more than just Caelan Navas because we've seen Costa Rica be a surprise package in World Cups gone by. And Although, you know, you could perhaps argue that the core of the players who really impressed in those previous editions, you know, have now moved on or, you know, is not as, you know, perhaps eligible to to contribute as they were before. You know, could they still surprise people in this group or do you see them getting an absolute uh, tonking? Uh,
3: I think caps on tonking and then some. This is a group I pick to come dead last in the group. A big struggle of theirs in CONCACAF and qualification was the ability to score goals away from home. When you're playing at home in CONCACAF, just like anywhere, but especially in CONCACAF, there's such an advantage. But when they go away from home, the goals dry up, and leaking goals has been a big issue of theirs. I expect them to show up in a back five, five, four, one. When you do that, a player who is their midfield conductor but is getting old, Cecil Borges, he... If this was four years ago or eight years ago, he was at the peak of his pyre, his powers, plying his trade in La Liga. But I think this tournament is coming four years too late. Uh, too many players still part of that core that have had success in regional tournaments in the Gold Cup and the World Cup. But I, I think a lot of their hopes will be pit on the former Arsenal man, Joel Campbell. But I, I just think it's going to be a struggle for him to get the right service. I think Chow for Costa Rica.
1: Listen, I think for me with Costa Rica, I'll keep it in a nutshell. Obviously, uh, Michael is a lot more knowledgeable than I am. And Michael's knowledge is fantastic. I just think that Costa Rica, when I look at it, JJ and Michael, they always produce one or two superstars or one or two real top quality players. And then the rest of the team, it's a hard fit. And I think that's what we're going to see with this Costa Rica. We'll see one or two players have a fantastic World Cup. But when it comes to the World Cup, they're not strong enough as a whole team from back to front, which is why I have them finishing bottom of the group.
2: Yeah, that's some fair points there. And guys, keep your comments coming in. We do see them dropping in uh, below. You know, not very much love for the for the Costa Ricans, but we'll move on to the final uh, team in the group now. And potentially one of the surprise packages that I think a lot of people are going to be keeping an eye on. I can see Mike rubbing his hands together there <laughs> with me. So here we are. We're going to talk about Samurai Blue, the Japanese national team. Now, Mike, hmm. you're obviously Itching to, to to go and throw in your uh, your two dollars worth on uh, on Ooh. this team. So what are you seeing in uh, in in Japan that makes you confident that they might be able to spring a surprise?
3: If you're a betting man, you have them at plus fourteen hundred. Get that number up. I have them getting out of this group because of Spain's inability to score goals and Japan's ability to hit you. On the counter, they will be one of the fittest teams, one of the hardest-working teams, and here's why: they have players who have elevated themselves to play at some of the highest levels around Europe and the world. Starts with their goalkeeper Kawashima, player you should be familiar with. J.J. Strasbourg goalkeeper came in 2018 and part of a Strasbourg team that finished in the top six, top seven of Liga. Elder statesman, his experience in the back line, Tomiyasu for Arsenal. But when you go further up the field, Kamada for Frankfurt, he will be the ace of this team. Minamino, yes, he had the stint in Liverpool, didn't work out. Now at Monaco, I think that relationship between he and Kamada. You also have Kubo, who's playing his trade at Real Sociedad, a player in form, enjoying life. Former Real Madrid man, there's just a lot of excitement around this Japanese team. You know that they're they're going to be organized. You know that they're going to win games in any fat or manner possible to get out of the group. And I just think it's going to come down to that last game against Spain. I have them winning that game by one goal. I'm not going to tell you the, the exact predictions of how many goals are going to go in, but that's going to be the big swan song for J- Japan.
1: Michael always does that. He does that. And then oh, I'm not going to tell you. Well, why mention <laughs> it? Why mention it? Oh, Christ. Okay. Uh, you know Listen,
3: what? Naija, uh, anyway, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. go. On. No, you go. You okay. go. You go.
1: Michael's right. Michael, again, knows a lot of the players. I'd say for me, JJ, uh, Michael, Japan is the dark horse. Japan is the one that can cause an upset in this group. I think that they've got a lot of good talent. Young players coming through, as Michael said. I think Kamara could be one of the main import important players for Japan um they've also got a young player playing at brighton can't remember his name yeah. i'm not as knowledgeable uh, as you, uh, Matoma, good. matoma but the winger they are a dark horse they are worth yeah. the bet because they always like you said they the the fitness levels are ridiculous they got great technical ability as well i just think that overall i would put spain slightly ahead of them just because mm. of the experience that spain has if that makes sense overall in bigger tournaments and, and big occasions but japan can be a dark course in this group and a worth worth a bet
2: yeah, I definitely agree with you guys. I do think the margin for error for both Germany and Spain uh you know is is pretty slim here given that the Japanese I can see them definitely picking up points against Costa Rica and I can see them taking points off of one of Spain and Germany probably Spain I think Germany for me would be the favorite uh, to finish top but we're finishing with uh, with group E. Message from Rod Guajardo. <laughs> Great to see you on here Mike Lahood. We miss you in San Antonio. Always love getting uh, some fan interaction with our with our Experts, so Mike, they're enjoying. Ah. Uh, Who do you, you pay know, for yeah, the
3: <laughs> Rod's, Rod's actually my next door neighbor here. Now, just kidding. Uh, now, thank you very much for the kind <laughs> message and congratulations to San Antonio FC, USL Champions, crowned only a couple days ago.
2: Fantastic stuff. Well, let's move on to Group F now, and I'm really keen to sink our teeth into this. I'm going to come to you first, Nige, because I'm just going to put it out there: my team that I fancy the most to struggle at this World Cup, aside from Portugal is Belgium. What do you think of that?
1: I don't think so. I think the biggest Mm. reality of Belgium is the back four hasn't really evolved. The back four is a problem with Belgium. Everyone knows it. It's too old. They haven't really developed enough, good enough um, defenders throughout the ranks. But with the quality with KDB... Mm. and um, I think uh, Hazard is actually going to be on one, as we say. I think Hazard is going to have a point to prove in this World oh, Cup. He's got to play he, for his move to Villa. That's yeah, been- <laughs> that tunnel vision that he's going to have in this World Cup. Um, I still see them being able to do it. I still see them being yeah. able to be compact enough, well-organized enough to get something. Obviously, again, it depends a lot, depends on whether Lukaku can be fully fit and be part of this team, but they do have talent. They really do have talent. And I think in that group, they really should get out. Yes, defensively, they're they're not as strong. I think Mm -hmm. uh, Croatia, for me, are the strongest team in this group. But you do expect Belgium to be the nearly boys again. Get out the group, and then that's about as far as they'll get.
3: Yeah, I I look at the talent, and JJ, you mentioned a player who I'm really excited about, uh, Trossard at uh, Brighton. There's just a wealth of talent. Dendonker as well, Villa Shout It's customary on this show with JJ and NRC. There's just a wealth of talent that when you need someone to get you out of a pickle, you just go to the bench. You look down the bench and you pick a name. Uh, the big talking points, Eden Hazard, his form, his lack of form, his lack of fitness, That that will, I think, ultimately deny them of a World Cup championship crown, but Romelu Lukaku will be fit. I think that's been a big reason why he hasn't played as many games. I know the quad injury has been hindering a bit, but I think purposely as a player, when you have the World Cup around the corner, you have your eye on the most, the biggest thing you prioritize, which is the World Cup over club football. I think he will be fit and he will thrive under the service of Kevin De Bruyne, arguably the best midfielder in the world. Arguably ooh, ooh, best the best midfielder. Debatable. Argu- that's why I said arguably. Fede Valverde, who we will talk about, is in that conversation. But there, there's too many weapons for this Belgium team. Defensively, the question mark I have is how many goals – can can they, can they really put a stopgap in some of the goals they've given up? In the Nations League, they've given up more goals than I've ever seen them give up in the last eight years. I expect them in this group to have high-scoring games. They're a team that will thrive off of beating you 3-2 than if it's 1-0 affair.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting uh, points to this Belgian debate moving into the tournament. I also saw that Jason Denier has been called up as well to the squad. You know, I think there's potentially some concern over Tongan's fitness. And that, again, just goes to show, you know, that there are these concerns over the age, certainly in terms of the defense. And it does feel like it's going to be a busy tournament for Thibaut Courtois as well. Now we're going to move on. And I'm delighted to actually move the chat on to Canada because, I've seen that there's a lot of love for them already in the in the comments that have been coming in. Matt Osmond, uh, you know, was uh, was saying just a moment ago, you know, come on, Team Canada. Now I'm going to be dropping a piece later this week of the sort of dark horses to look for in each group, and I'm going for Canada in this group because I feel that they could spring a surprise uh, and actually end up finishing second. Now Mike is nodding his head. Uh, do I am uh, I right I- in feeling that you agree with me?
3: Yeah, I, I was just thinking uh, we have someone on this show co-host who I think that's his second national team just by experience, Mr. Nigel Coker. Nigel, before I go, do you want to add anything to, to Canada? Well, Jesus Christ.
1: No, um, I think for me, like, uh, Mike, I think one of the, the comments was that Canada could be the Iceland of this tournament, which is so mm-hmm. true. I think what I like about Canada is how they've gone about it. You know, they've really gone out there. They've uh, improved their their scouting network, and they've gone to inner-city Canada itself and got these talent. These kids are fearless. They've done fantastically well. And let's be real, when it comes to um, when you talk about opportunities and also facilities, there's no way Canada should really be the top of the the CONCACAF as they have dominated more so than America. Um, I spoke to one of the young lads in the team, Sam Anakubi, a young boy that I know from playing at the Whitecaps, took under my wing. Hopefully we'll get him on the pod. Uh, I know they're playing against Japan in a friendly tomorrow top kid great kid, great attitude. I think all the Canadian kids have a great attitude. I think my thing with the Canada thing is, yes, there are dark horses in this group. The biggest thing for me is it's the messaging that's going to come from the manager and the coaches. They've really got to go into this tournament with no fear and an attitude to say that no one expects anything from us. But how great would that be when we prove people wrong? And it's not letting the World Cup occasion get the best of them where they're too busy soaking up the, the, the atmosphere and soaking up the World Cup. They're not realizing they're here to perform. So it's not letting the, the moment get the better of them. But I think that they they could be a big dark horse in this group. But it's all about messaging and attitude of the players.
2: Oh, Fighting talk there from Nathan John. Canada (laughs) going to Qatar to play football. You won't see them parking the bus against anyone. Well, we'll hope not. Mm. Now, Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot with a question quickly. And then obviously you can chime in uh, with your thoughts on Canada as well. Jonathan David, born in the USA, but representing Canada. How big a miss? Is that for the US MNT? And surely, surely he would walk into that, uh, you know, American setup. And you look at the the sort of dearth of reliable oh. attacking options in that side at the moment. You know, surely that is a, a big miss. We all know how good Alphonso Davies is, but yeah, you know, for for Jonathan David to to have slipped through the net, surely that is a pretty big gaff as far as they go.
3: It's. Part of the problem for U.S. soccer at the moment is the the lack of investment in youth and the academy system and things have come a long way from when I stopped playing and when I started even playing from my club career, but you should never allow a player. You know, you look throughout the U.K., you look throughout places around the world, even Paris. There is a, a scouting network that players do not let. They they just don't slip through the cracks like that. A player of his quality. And you look at the massive gap in attack at the striker position. The number nine position has been a talking point and a big question mark for the USMNT. And look, the US national team not doing their job in scouting a player like that and setting the the mechanisms to make sure a play like that doesn't slip through the cracks is Canada's gain. For Canada, this guy was one of the heroes of their World Cup campaign and I love that you gave Adekugbe a shout, Knights I love this kid. Scored a massive goal in the game that got them to qualification to Qatar. Love him as I think he plays as a left wing back, has ton of pace, can get on both, up and down both sides of the ball. The job that John Herdman has done, let's touch on him. Herdman coach the women's national team had success there coaching the men's national team, having success to be able to do both to to change from the men's to the women's game back and forth. That is a skill in itself. The one commonality that I see, he's a unifier. He's a motivator. He brings that nationalistic sense of pride of what it is to be Canada. And I think that nationalism is something to keep an eye on because these players, they're young, but a lot of these players are playing at a high level. Ustakio plays at FC Porto. Players are making moves to put themselves in the best possible situation to have the best club experience to thrive at the World Cup.
2: All right, we're going to move this along a bit, but uh, you know, great to hear both of your thoughts on Canada. Now we're going to turn our attention to Croatia. Now, Croatia kind of feel like they're in a similar boat to Belgium in a way where some of their key players, you know, might have had their best years behind them, but they always seem to dig it out in these international tournaments. Nigel, are you you expecting uh, Croatia to to win this group uh, with ease or do you think it's going to be a question of trying to finish second behind Belgium? I think
1: it's the quality aspect of Croatia. I'm expecting them to win it because they're a good team from front to back as always. You talk about the team element, but they have quality on the pitch and it's not just about work rate, running hard and all that. There's the balance that comes with it, JJ. And when you look at Croatia, they've got so much experience, but they've got quality to punish you in the right moments. They're going to be well-organized as they always are, defensively hard to break down, but they've got also a great attacking element and they are a very well-balanced team. And I look at them to win that group because of the quality and the experience that they have.
2: Well, obviously, they'll be hoping that Luka Modric turns the clock back once more. They did win, as as was pointed out in one of the, one of the comments uh, in their friendly against uh, Saudi Arabia. Now, Mike, final yeah. team in the group. Morocco, I don't think any of us are in any doubt about the potential of this squad, but are they going to get it together? Could they potentially pull off a shock or do you feel like there's just going to be too many of the same old issues that come back and bite them?
3: I think same old issues. You've had infighting leading up to this World Cup between the manager and Hakimi Ziyech, a player who isn't getting minutes for Chelsea and and is miserable right now. Could be his revenge game against some of these teams, a player who has the quality. Hakimi, he is the talisman of this team, but He's a guy who's not a captain material. He's not a leader. He's still quite young. I just think this 3-4-3 formation that they play leads them very vulnerable on the counter. And I see them leaking goals in this World Cup and finishing
2: last. I think there's been, you know, some consistency issues as well. Hakimi's certainly been questioned for for his PSG form. But interesting, you do have Morocco's keeper, uh, you know, who was born in Canada. So, you know, there's going to be a little bit of, you know, needle there as well. And I think goalkeepers, especially in this group, seem like they're going to come up, uh, you know, uh, fairly, fairly big. So, guys, let's head off for a break uh, and then we'll be back to discuss the other two groups after that.
4: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend
5: today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step. The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS
2: Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right, guys, welcome back to House of Champions. If you're an American soccer fan that follows the stars and stripes, then make sure to check out another great pod in the CBS Sports Podcast family. In Soccer We Trust, former USMNT stars Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pearce, and Charlie Davies are previewing and reacting to every US match with a perspective that only they can offer. So download and subscribe to the In Soccer We Trust podcast anywhere that you can find this one. And we're with their number one subscriber, Nigel Rio. Coca. So, Nigel, I'm gonna to come to you first. We're moving on to group G now. And obviously, everybody wants to talk about Brazil. They're one of the strong favorites going into this mm-hmm. tournament. F- for you, are they your your number one pick?
1: Hell yeah. It's just common sense. I'm sorry. Listen, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. When you look at Brazil, when we all used to watch football, we used to talk about one or two players always used to come out of Brazil to become superstars mm-hmm. in Europe and superstars mm-hmm. in world football. This is the first time Brazil where you can name and look at the entire team from back to front that they are stacked, not just one player in each position, but literally three players. Brazil could put out three yeah. teams in this World Cup that you would expect to get at least to the semifinals. That's how good it is. I think the eye-opener what people should pay attention to with Brazil is they've gone with nine attackers. Let that be known that they've come here to score goals and take this World Cup by storm. Again, you might call it common sense or... Good management or a manager who knows what he's doing it's a world cup you need to come on form jj you can account to how determined and tunneled vision neymar has been where you expect him to have a real good scary world cup but they're coming there to score goals they are just going to say we're going to score more goals than you which is the brazil that i grow up Mm. watching and knowing about they are still capable defensively you know tiago silva's had a fantastic time for me at chelsea i think he's such a top class defender he doesn't really have the athleticism that you'd, you you need in a modern game, but he doesn't because he reads the game so well. And when you have a player of that experience, you put a good, young, hungry centre-back next to him, you'll be in good shape. Decent full-backs who are going to get forward. I think for me, Brazil definitely are the favourites for this World Cup. And there's no hanky-panky in Qatar, so they're going to be very well-focused. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I I agree with you 100%. They are scary good. You look at the lineup, you look at any which lineup they put on the table, and it, it's just, it's oh, Mayday, Mayday, call the cops because you're going to need any protection that you can get. I just, I struggle with a Brazil team that when we have this sort of hype around them, as they've earned, number one, we're number one ranked team in the world right now, rightfully so, there's always one game that gives them fits. And it happens around the quarterfinals. There's always always one game where the strikers aren't – they're misfiring a bit. It's physical. It's chippy. The referee's against them. And I just – I think it's going to come down to that. If they can get over that quarterfinal hump. In 2002, England, that was their game. 2010, the Netherlands, that was their game. They beat England against all odds because they had a red card.
1: What? This is not This is not the Brazil of old. This is not a Brazil that's I'm heavily relying saying, on the edge of Ronaldo and just a number nine striker. You've seen what Rafinha has been doing at Barcelona. You've seen what Anthony has the capability of doing. You see what Neymar does. You've got Vinicius Jr. There isn't one yeah. element of danger of they have a classic number nine. No, this Brazil has four or five players that can score goals. I think that for me, like you said, when you talk about this Brazil team and this Argentina team, Latin American clubs are very focused to break the dominance of European clubs winning the World Cup. I'm telling you, there's yeah. a different hunger and a different desire from more so from Brazil and Argentina. And let's not forget, Uruguay is a dark horse. But yeah, no, 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 no
2: all right yeah, I'll some uh, some so, so <laughs> some some interesting points now uh i'll put it out to the listeners do you guys agree do you, do you agree with Nigel and uh and mike that they are arguably the favorites going into this or that no, mike doesn't think they're the favorites i, JJ. I, 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 I don't mike think they're doesn't... gonna win
3: i don't think they're gonna win but let's oh, see but what the it's, inter-
2: it's, no, it's, it's interesting because i was actually getting to my point because in my predictions i have them getting to the semi-finals Hmm? coming up against Lionel Messi's Argentina and losing on penalties. Hold on, wait. We- JJ, let's have a bit of fun this, right? If Brazil win the World Cup... There's nothing's Mike ever fun
1: with you, Naj. If it is, but if Brazil win the World Cup, <laughs> for two shows, 100%. one, he's going to wear an England shirt, and then two, he's going to wear a Liverpool shirt.
3: Oh, jeez, yes, man. If Brazil jeez. win the World Cup, if you're, so, okay. if you're so confident... If Brazil win the World Cup, let's you have a air shake on that. All right, All right the, but then does the Nigel have
2: to do something if the USMT oh gets out of the group? Gosh,
3: if the USMT get out <laughs> of the group, he'll have to wear he'll have to wear a custom made Christian Pulisic shirt. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. Well, we'll make sure yes. that De- the, the producer, Des, gets onto accounts and uh, and has that worked up uh, immediately. Right. So now moving on from one extremely talented squad to another, and uh, one that could be a potential dark horse in this group as well, Serbia. I'm going to come to you first, Mike. Are you, you feeling high on Serbia? Because I think yeah. whenever I've seen people discussing who they think are going to get out of the group stages, either people are really down on Serbia saying all oh, the same old problems are going to trip them up and, you know, they're... They're going to be, have a, a talented squad of individuals, but the, they're not going to be able to get it together on the pitch. And some other people saying, no, you know, this is a, a new Serbian side that we're seeing, that we saw in qualification. Uh, they're going to get out of the group and potentially do some damage in the knockout phase as well. Where are you sitting on that?
3: I see them getting out of the group because to, to get out of the group, you have to have players within your team, your star players, in form at the perfect time. And you look at their attack. Look at start of their midfield. Malinkovic, Savic, and I'm going to stay away from Lazio because I, I curse them every time I mention their team name, but not this player. He's leading Syria A in assists. Dusan Tadic, captain of the team, has been a world beater for Ajax in the last three seasons. They're going to be sub- supplying- Not looking too good this season, though. No, no. Well, because the man, not the right manager, he's going to get the sack. We'll talk about same, him.
2: Same goes for Vlahovic though, as well.
3: Uh, you have Mitrovic though. Vlahovic is oh. a different player. The Serbian national team has been his outlet. What he hasn't been doing at Juve, he's been doing for the Serbian national team. So it's going to be a bit of a respite. When you're a player and you're having a miserable time at, at the club level, going to your national team, it is. A, you're just. It's like a a, a cold drink of water in the desert when you're at their club team. I think you're going to see a different Vlahovic. I think he and Mitrovic, they combine well. They play off of each other. Vlahovic is a player who likes to make runs in behind. Mitrovic is your hold-up target guy. Good balance. And when you have two passers who can thread the needle to two strikers, I like this Serbia team. And they have some good young defenders who are highly touted in Europe. I think there's more credit that needs to be given to this Serbia team. They top the group against a good Portuguese side you have to give them respect?
1: JJ, respect given Mike. I give Serbia (laughs) respect. I think they can definitely be a dark horse in this group. But again, like people said, they've got great, talented individuals. Whether they can put it together as a team, that's the problem. If they can put it together as a team, they can definitely cause some problems. But that is why I favor Switzerland over Serbia Mm. because I feel that Switzerland are well more lubricated team dynamic. They've they've got greater...
3: um, experience a, an attack. in tournaments, an attack. tournaments in attack they they have they, they lubricated an attack don't worry where about the goal's coming from for get, for Switzerland.
1: there's more than one way to win a football match mike you can but embolo is not doing badly for Monaco you will you, talk about attack you talk about Vlahovic. who ain't really been doing anything but he's, for, he's been
5: scoring for the for, for the, the Serbian national now. team though Listen,
3: Listen, he, he has been
1: Great individually that. can they put it together as a team if they can there will be a threat. If they don't and it's the same old Serbia I still have Switzerland above them. But this yeah. is the, this
2: is the Switzerland that was an issue. that was a problem for European champions, Italy yeah. in qualification. They also dumped okay. France out of the Euros. It's you know they're no mugs at international level.
3: Yeah, that, that, that's you know I'm I'm trying to find something different to talk about because every time you root against the Swiss, they get out of the group. They get what got out of the group? with the last three three out of the last four World Cups? If I'm you not mistaken, against just now I again? No, because I'm, I'm looking like... at the goals. You have Shakiri who's playing his trade in Major League Soccer, hasn't been on the, the score sheet. All oh, very in nice dangerous World
2: territory, Mike. You need well, to say Oh, boy.
3: Oh, boy. <laughs> it's happening again. It's happening. You know I love my MLS. I always give them a shout. It has no bearing on the league he's playing in, but I think you're putting a lot of onus on a player who's getting older, who hasn't really been on the score sheet for your national team. In midfield, that midfield three, Granite Xhaka, Rema Froyla, and uh, Jabril So. That's where your strength of this team lies. And Bolo is getting goals in attack, but not consistently. And, and I think in this group, getting goals is going to be the difference. And for a Swiss team, they're defensively, they're going to be sound. If Fabian Shah For Newcastle, another shout player who's having the season of his life in the Premier League right now. Uh, So many national teams he could walk into and make a difference with the form he's in. Not Brazil, not saying that, Nigel. I see that eyebrow going up, but a lot of national teams he could do it. This Swiss team is going to be more difficult to break down, but I just wonder where the goals are going to come from. Is it going to be from midfield? I think ultimately set pieces is going to be their biggest strength in this group.
1: All right, so tying up. A... on now. Remember, he pushes forward a lot more for Arsenal and I'm sure they'll apply the same form that he's in Arsenal for this Swiss team. Getting forward, getting into the box, yeah. late runs.
2: Tying a bow on this because we do have one more group to get through. Nigel, any chance at all for Cameroon in this group? Ooh. I think it's a
1: difficult one, man. I think when you look at that, the, the African nations, for me, I think Senegal is probably the most stacked with the most talent. I think Cameroon's done well to, to make it to the World Cup, but it's a big, big ask when you look at that group and the talent and the squad they're going to come up against. Again, a lot of it is down to messaging. And also there's a big difference when, I think Mike can add to this, I've I've said it before quickly. When it comes to African nations, there's that kind of uh, mentality of players become a lot more selfish because they're trying to play for moves. If they play Mm -hmm. for the team and get out of that selfish mode and realise they can be successful together, then African nations will strive and do very well because a lot of these players are not in European clubs playing a big club. So the ones that come into these type of situations, they're trying to put themselves on the shop window without realizing they're letting themselves down and the nation down by not getting uh, a lot more togetherness in a team dynamic.
5: Yeah. yeah. Interest- oh, go, sorry, go, 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 JJ. Mike.
3: No, no, go. go, go, go. Okay, well, I'll be selfish. I'll go. Um, I think I feel for these African teams and I, I agree with what you're saying. We've seen that in the past, Nige with, What's happened in World Cups, the infighting, the the calamity in the dressing room, the difficulty of groups that the African teams have been placed in, I just feel for them. And that's down to the the FIFA world ranking coefficients. It needs to be reassessed. I think African teams are better than world rankings give them. I think some European teams have benefited significantly from the biases. That's why we have African teams, all of them, in difficult groups. This Cameroon team, their attack is where their strength lies. Carl Toko Akembi. Hasn't been the stuff of legends for Leon. And, JJ, you and I talked about this. But with his national team, he scored the goal to take them to Qatar. He's a good player. He was one of the stars of AFCON in midfield. And Gisa for Napoli, your guy, and Gisa for your team, Nige, he is a player to watch. For Napoli, he plays more of a box-to-box role. For Cameroon, he's going to be the defensive midfielder. Not enough depth in midfield for Cameroon to thrive. Onana will have to have the World Cup of his life to save shot-stop and really produce some of the form we've seen he's had at Inter Milan in Serie as of late for Cameroon to have any chance of getting out. I just don't think they'll have enough in the end.
2: And don't forget, they've got Choupaldinho, Ooh. eric Maxim, Choupo-Moting as well. Obviously, the star man in attack who's really finding form at the moment. Final group then, Group H. And I'm glad that we sort of touched on the theme of selfishness uh, and self-centeredness because obviously you have the debate raging around Cristiano Ronaldo uh, with Portugal at this moment in time. Let's look at Portugal and Uruguay together. For me, I feel that Uruguay are gonna to top this group. I think Portugal are gonna scrape through by the skin of their teeth. Nigel, you you laughing, you disagreeing with me. Is this what CR7 no, needed I, I, ahead of the tournament? I
1: thoroughly agree with you. I think Uruguay would do it. And for a certain degree, I hope Portugal don't do it because of a certain <laughs> selfish person. But anyway, we'll, we'll go into that another day. Um I think for me. Again, it's 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 Uruguay is a talented team and they're big, big dark horses in this tournament because a lot of people are not really too well aware of Uruguay, but the talent that they possess there. And for me, a man on form, where I think he's the, the world's best midfielder, Valverde, right now at Real Madrid, is just something special. And Uruguay has always done well in World Cup. Um, great teams produce phenomenal, talented football players. Um, I look at this team. I look at this this group. Portugal is Portugal. They've been very underwhelming recently. Um, No Jota, even in the World Cup. Ronaldo hasn't really played. He's not fit. He's not the same Ronaldo. It's too self-centered. And I think there's a bit of a, 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 I don't know, fear factor (laughs) from the manager there to really drop Ronaldo because of all setting history and, you know, stats and whatever it is. That's all he cares about. Ghana. Yes. Good team. Difficult group they're in. South Korea. Dark horses, Ooh, South Korea, yes. very similar like Japan. Dark horses, South Korea could cause an upset. Right, very, got very Son, Son
2: back in training with his uh, facial yeah. mask on, and we all know that he's their talisman.
1: Yeah, I, I think for me, when you look at South Korea, um, JJ and Mike, when you look at Ooh. South Korea and Japan, they are very, very fit teams, mm. very, very good technically, and they can surprise, spring a surprise in this World Cup, just because... The coaching has improved tremendously throughout the years in that region. They've hired great coaches, great managers, and they really do have a a Western or European kind of mindset in how they play football. But they can definitely Mm. cause an upset in there. But for me, like I said, I can see Uruguay winning that group. Portugal just about getting the job done with the skin of their nose. Um, And obviously, again, it all depends on how the players in Portugal feel about Cristiano Ronaldo because of what he's done. And people have to remember, yeah, Mm -hmm. he's done that at Manchester United. But then you're going to start thinking to yourself as a player in that Portuguese dressing room now, I wonder what he thinks about me or I wonder what he says about me. Because if you do that to his teammates at Manchester United, what will he do to us? And we saw a little bit of video Mm -hmm. on social media of a friction between him and Cancelo as well, which looks like that could be something very serious. And obviously, Manchester United teammates are going to be looking at their captain, Bruno Fernandes, embracing him at the national team level. And then you're coming back to play at Manchester United and you're our captain but siding with someone who literally just disrespected your whole squad but that's me and the whole squad and group Mike it's the floor is yours
3: yes ah oh, man I'm just chomping at the bit to smash CR7 and I'm just going to put one line about United get him out of United get him out of this Portuguese now you can't get him out of Portugal he is just a legend for the Portuguese national team In fighting ahead of the World Cup, friction and tension ahead of the World Cup, it just spells pending disaster and doom. Those odds of Portugal being the favorite or one of the favorites in the group or of the tournament, they're going to go the opposite way because that becomes the biggest distraction. You have the captain. You have one of the all-time leading goal scorers in, in the entire game who has taken this event the world's game, the world's event every four years where it's a unifying, this Portuguese team that has seemed unified over the last eight years, one euros because they were unified. They are now split up because CR seven made it all about himself. The moment he went on camera and did that, the biggest group that was going to hurt from that was not Manchester United. He's already on the outs. It was the Portuguese national team because now the media is going to be watching everything they do. If if they win 2-1, there's something not right about Portugal. Every conversation is going to be surrounding the negativity of CR7, and I think that's why I have them getting third in the group. I don't even have them getting out of the group because that is toxic. The best team in this group is Uruguay. They have, as you said, Fede Valverde, who's playing the football of his life. Cavani scores goals at the World Cup. He's already scored a couple goals since his move to Valencia. He shows up at the World Cup. Darwin Nunez, he could be tipped to be one of the breakout stars. Getting goals right before the World Cup, he's going to get that feel-good feeling again. You could play him alongside Luis Suarez, who, a lot of drama, a lot of tension in that matchup. One to circle, Uruguay versus Ghana. The ghost of 2010, that's going to be a red card affair, emotionally charged atmosphere when those two get together. Uruguay is going to win this group. I think Bentecourt, one of the unsung heroes for Tottenham, that combination between he and Valverde, they can cover every blade of grass, and oh yeah, they can play two. I just think Uruguay, that 4-4-2 that they play, two banks of four is going to be too hard to break down, and they have the quality in the final third. The surprise pick that I have in this group, South Korea. South Korea, baby. I'm going for broke. Son Yun-Ming coming back, the mask marauder. You are, you already seen a player in Victor Osman who wears a mask. Maybe he's taking a page out of his book where keep the mask on. I know it's for his health reasons, but just trying to have a little fun here. But I think Son coming back is a massive list, lift for this South Korea team. But they have talent as well. Huang, who plays for Wolves. He's going to be an attack. I think some of their role players, if they can get a bit more – breakout performances you know that they're going to be solid they showed that in that game against germany four years ago if they can be solid and then a couple of their attackers really spring out and help support song i have them getting out of the group
2: uh some very interesting points there, and i'm glad that mike touched on south korea there so yeah just uh me to to finish it uh i guess in this group uh It is, I mean, it's really, really difficult to to call who is going to be getting out. I feel like Uruguay are definitely my favorites to top the group. I have Portugal getting through by the skin of their teeth, Mm -hmm. and that I tell you that they get through with three points being unbeaten but with no wins. That's how I've predicted that they get out of this group. I feel it's going to be extremely tight. I'm curious to see how it all plays out. But just my two cents on uh, on, on Cristiano Ronaldo, I think the situation has gone far too far. It doesn't surprise me that the, the hard line stance that Eric Ten Hag seems to be taking. Uh, and I think that United <laughs> cannot cannot wait uh, until the end of this tournament, to, to try and take care of things. I mean, the the, the latest reports, uh, you know, have been that you know United are looking into it and exploring their legal options. Doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, and to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if Ronaldo ends up leaving Europe uh, after this mm-hmm. World Cup. I don't think it's going to be a particularly memorable tournament for him, uh, and I think he is eventually going to have to come home and face the music. But that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for tuning in, joining us on House of Champions as always. Thanks so much for listening please take a minute to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform or on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher anywhere that you listen to your podcast. we're also available as video so, so subscribe to us on youtube as well unfortunately for nigel rio coca stealing ian paul joy's line there thanks a lot for t- tuning in guys and we will see you next time